Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 26th episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. I'm Jay Geismerg alongside Dylan Sin. And here on this edition, we kind of switch gears a little bit. We go from the college diamond to, I guess, the major or minor league diamond. We're taking a look at some pro terps as they start spring training ahead of the major league season and then the minor league seasons beginning in April and then in June and, and continuing throughout towards, towards September. Excuse me. Got two great guests on this edition of the podcast. We caught up with former Terps Mike Schwarren and Brandon Lau, both of whom have been selected in each of the last two drafts, Lau in 2015 and Schwarren in 2016. So we're talking to them about their spring training experiences. For Schwarren, it's his first ever spring training. Lau, this is his second, so they had some interesting things to say. But before we get there, Dylan, I guess let's break down the weekend that was. Maryland going down to Baton Rouge, taking on the number 5 LSU Tigers and getting swept. Yeah, Jake, it was it, it was a tough weekend for Maryland. Uh, they uh, didn't come out on top in any of the three games. Uh, Saturday was especially rough, going down 14 nothing. But uh, they seem, uh, from what we've talked about, they seem upbeat. They're ready to go. They're ready to move on to James Madison and uh, put that behind them. Now, when we spoke to head coach John Sheff after the three-game series, and Marty Costas and Zach Jankarski, all three of them, you know, they found positives to take from this series, and, and I don't think they're wrong in saying that there were positives to take. For one thing, you have a team that gets the experience of playing in an atmosphere like Alex Box Stadium, which had a paid attendance of over 10,000 each of the three games. Actual attendance was around 6,500, but we don't need to necessarily, you know, sparse it out. I mean, the point being is that it's, it's a raucous atmosphere, it's a big atmosphere, and, you know, come on NCAA tournament regional time, you know, if this Maryland team can get back to that stage, this experience will pay dividends from a, from a pressure perspective. That's exactly right, and the, this, this is an experience that when you go back at the end of the season and you think, wow, I can't believe that uh, we were, that's how we felt going into this series, because we're, now we're so much more mature, we're so much more ready to go, and this will be one of those series that you look back and say, we're a totally different team, and we're ready for this environment now. One of the positives that, that I noticed down there is that the offense is drastically different than it was last year. That's not to say it's different people in the lineup, and there are a couple additions in Brandon Gum and Will Watson. But the main thing is that last year the offense was one that you weren't necessarily confident in when it came to you know, putting up a lot of hits, creating situations, and things of that nature. And that's certainly not something that Maryland struggled with this series, safer except Saturday, but that's a bit of an aberration. On Friday, they out-hit LSU 9-8. to On Sunday, they put up 11 hits, and, you know, they scored five runs, which was more runs than they had scored, you know, in the entire last series when they played LSU back in 2013. Not that that's a really comparable statistic, just a fun little note. But I think this offense, 1-9, through nine, is one where you have a lot of guys that have come back, and they've really grown as hitters. That's exactly right, and you one, one through nine is the important point there because they've gotten a lot of production from the seven, eight, and nine hitters. Kevin Smith hitting seventh now. A.J. Lee has been very productive in the nine hole, and that's something that it's it's just tough for pitchers to roll that lineup over because even after they get through the heart of the order, they still have to deal with those guys at the bottom, and they're definitely capable of putting runs on the board even from the bottom of the lineup. Now, the Terps had to have some lineup shovels at the bottom of the lineup that you mentioned. Danny Maynard's been in there a few times, Justin Morris. We saw Kevin Biondic in Game 3 take over for A.J. Lee and then play some third base. But at the top of the lineup, Marty Costas, you know, he's 8-for-21 this season, leading the team in average at 381. He's driven in two, hasn't gone deep yet, but you don't always need to go deep to be a productive bat in the middle of the lineup. And I think even though some of the opportunities might have been missed this weekend from Costas and, and Nick Dunn with the bases loaded, especially on Sunday... 
I think these are guys that are really starting to come into their own offensively. And that you're exactly right again, Jake. And that's that's something that Maryland really needs these guys to step up because going as the season gets progressively harder, they get into Big Ten play, they're going to start seeing pitchers that know their tendencies and know these hitters backward and forward, and these are the guys that are going to need to grind out at bats. We've already seen them been able to do that this season on a consistent basis. Now, on the other side of things, Dylan, there's the pitching, which has been maybe the biggest struggle for Maryland to this point. I mean, on the staff right now, I know it's a small sample size, but there are more guys with an ERA over 10 than there are an ERA guys with an ERA under 3. And that's not really a good starting point uh, for a staff, especially one that returns a lot of guys like the lineup does. However, a positive that you can take out of that, through all of the negatives, I think, was that on Sunday, the bullpen largely was very, very successful. There was a bit of a rocky outing to start from Ryan Selmer, who looked terrific last week against Alabama State. But then Andrew Miller, Ryan Hill, Mike Racino, and Taylor Styles combined for four and two-thirds scoreless innings. And, well, three of those guys, Hill, Styles, and Racino, are three of the ones that have ERAs over 30. And that's even with those you know, good appearances on Sunday. But that's, that's besides the point. I think maybe we can look at last weekend against Clearwater, maybe their first appearances against LSU, as maybe you know getting some of those early season jitters out of the way and maybe trying to return to form a little bit. Right, and that's something that I was really looking forward to after the first week. Um, the bullpen really struggled a little bit, other than Ryan Selmer, who was very, very good. Um, but I was looking to see that in the second series, how they progressed and how they got better. And you said it, they got the jitters out, and it seemed like they're really they, – and the Maryland needs that because um, after the starters get through, especially with uh, freshmen starting on Saturday, more often than not, they're going to need the bullpen to eat some innings. And I think they show that they're capable of doing that and missing bats. There were clearly two guys, though, that throughout these two weeks I think have separated themselves from a bullpen perspective. One of those guys is Jared Price, who has not given up a run in his two appearances. He's gone two-thirds of an inning, struck out four of the seven batters that he's faced. That's pretty good for a guy who's coming back from you know a couple injury issues, and he's not going to be overused, but every now and again for a one-inning spurt, I think Price is going to be a good option. The other guy is Andrew Miller, who's throwing from the left side, which can always be Good. Now, his splits are actually a little bit opposite. He's a little bit better against righties sometimes than lefties. But regardless of that, in his two appearances, two scoreless innings, he's also has a save. He's struck out two and hasn't walked anybody, which is the biggest thing for Andrew Miller, given the fact that his biggest issue last year was not being able to find the zone. He only pitched seven innings and walked a handful of guys. Right. And uh, we're to be clear here, we're not talking about Andrew Miller of the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> this is uh, our Andrew Miller, Terps Andrew Miller. And uh, yeah, he had he did struggle a little bit with his command last year, um, and he seems definitely to have turned that around. You said he, he only threw seven innings last year. Um, and I think he's definitely going to get a lot more than that this year, especially as he's keeping the ball around the plate. He's keeping it down, which is the biggest thing that I've seen from him. So while Maryland is 1-5 after these two weekends in Clearwater and LSU, it's important to remember that they've played pretty strong competition. They've played three NCAA tournament teams from last year in Louisville, Alabama State, and LSU. And while Ball State's a team that ran through the MEAC and narrowly missed the NCAA tournament last year, so really good competition so far for the Terps. So, you know, Yes, stumbling out of the gate, you'd like to see Maryland capitalizing the opportunities a little bit more, but certainly I wouldn't say it's a sign of things to come. If anything, I think it can be a catalyst for things to come. And I guess now's a good time as any to kind of transfer from our conversation about the weekend that was and, you know, take a look 
at the weekend that is coming up. We'll do that a little bit later on. That's right. Before we get there, we want to remind you that we have two guests on our podcast on this edition. Mike Schwarn, who's now a pitcher in the Boston Red Sox organization, and Brandon Lau, who's in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. So it's great to hear from those former Terps. And there's a lot of other pro Terps that are beginning their, you know, first spring training, second spring trainings, you know, beginning their upteenth major league seasons. Um, and I guess that's a good place to start as any. We'll start with, you know, Brett Cecil, who just signed a deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. He's currently the only Maryland Terrapin that's in the major leagues. And that's right. And he's the only Terrapin in the major leagues for right now. We'll get to who could be close in a minute. But uh, get starting with Cecil, uh, he was the well, one of the big signings for the St. Louis Cardinals over the offseason, a left-handed pitcher out of the bullpen. He got a four-year contract worth $30.5 million, so uh, he's going to be a big part of the Cardinals' bullpen this season. He'll be in the back of the bullpen uh, with Kevin Segrist from the left side uh, taking over for Zach Duke, who was very good for the Cardinals last season, but will miss whole season with Tommy John. Now, Cecil, he's been in the bullpen for uh, four years now, uh, full-time, mostly with the Blue Jays, and he's done very well four seasons in a row. Um, Bullpen is notorious, or bullpen arms are notoriously volatile, so it's uh, the Cardinals were excited to get someone that's as consistent as Brett is, 2-9-0 ERA over four seasons. And, of course, Brett was consistent in his time here in Maryland also in kind of the early 2000s, 2006, 2007. He held the saves record before Kevin Mooney broke it in 2015. So, you know, that's good for Kevin Mooney, who's also beginning, you know, another professional season. He was with the Auburn Double Days last year, so he'll be in the Nationals organization. We'll see where he ends up as well, along with a couple other guys, uh, Jake Drosner is still in the Milwaukee Brewers organization. Um, Jake Stinnett just won the Carolina League Championship with the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, and we'll see where he ends up. He's That's the Chicago Cubs organization. Jose Quas also with the Brewers organization. Jimmy Reed continues to come back from Tommy John surgery, and hopefully he'll have a successful season. Last he pitched um, in Springfield. That's the double-A team for the Cardinals. So two former Terps in the Cardinals organization. Uh, Kevin Martier is leaving down for spring training in a few days. Uh, he's in the Astros organization, and Alex Robinson pitching for the Minnesota Twins. And Well, he's not the only guy in the Twins organization. There's also Lamont Wade, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, the only other guys that are starting um, their professional seasons up again, uh, Zach Morris is continuing on the Philadelphia Phillies organization, and Charlie White, who was in the Independent League with the Joliet Slammers for a season, uh, signed with the Chicago White Sox in the offseason, so we'll see where Charlie White ends up. Um, and Adam Kalarik, he's in AAA with the Durham Bulls. That's in the Rays organization along with Brandon Lau. And uh, I guess he would be the closest to being the next Terp in the Major League, seeing that he's in AAA. That's that's right, and he is he's one step away. Um, last season, uh, he made it. All, he has been in the um, minor leagues or minor leagues for seven years now. This is going to be his eighth season uh, coming up, and he has. He made it to AAA last year, so he's one step from the majors. Uh, and he actually he started last season at AA, and he pitched so well uh, there for the Rays that he was promoted midseason to AAA uh, through 41 and a third innings with a 3.05 ERA um, last season. So, and then in the off season in November, he ended up signing with the Braves, and he's uh, in uh, camp with them right now. Uh, he was one of the first ones to make an appearance out of the bullpen for them uh, in their first spring training game, throwing inning and a third without allowing a run. So he, he's someone, he'll probably start the season in AAA, but he could be the second Terp uh, in the major leagues if the uh, Braves have uh, need of him. So making a switch from the Rays organization to the Braves organization, and a guy like Adam Kalarik who throws from the left side and can be dominant, I mean, 
bullpens in the major leagues are always looking for lefties that can make an impact. I mean, just look at Brett Cecil. I mean, that's why he's getting $30.5 million over the next four years. So stay tuned for news about Adam Kalarik as he continues his professional journey. Now, another lefty pitcher who really stood out in my eyes last year, of course, wasn't able to watch a ton, but just looking at the numbers, Zach Morris, who's in the Philadelphia Phillies organization, pitched with the Lakewood Blue Claws last year and really was just a stud. 66 and two-thirds innings, struck out 55, and had an ERA just north of two and a half. That's pretty good. Right. And and he's one of the guys, He was he's not as heralded as some of the other guys in this list. He was only a 24th round pick, but he's already made his mark in that organization. And one stat that I really like about Zach Morris is that he pitched 66 and two-thirds innings, as you said, only gave up one home run. So that's a testament to the kind of contact. Even when hitters make contact against him, it's not going anywhere. And in a young farm system like the Phillies, he could also be a guy that, that rises pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. And they're they're in the middle of a rebuilding process right now. They're looking at everything. They're trying. The young guys are going to get a shot in the next few years. And so if he continues his trajectory, he could be rising through the ranks rapidly. Now, another guy who's already been rising through the ranks rapidly is Lamont Wade, whose younger brother Jamal actually pitched very well this weekend in his first career appearance. Lamont himself is an outfielder, although he played first base and you know, pitched in a summer league at one point. He pretty much did everything, but he's an outfielder in the twin system. And was chosen back in you know 2015. Um, he was a ninth round draft pick by the Twins, and well, he moved up from Cedar Rapids to Fort Myers, and you know he's just been raking. Yeah, he's been very, very good, and the Twins are high on him. Fangraphs, uh, Eric Langenhagen, uh, their prospects writer, they, he ranked him as the number 20 prospect in the Twins organization, and that's the Twins have one of the deepest farm systems in baseball, so that's a good compliment to him. He was 62 percent better than league average last year at uh, single A. So he is someone to definitely keep an eye on. Speedy outfielder down there. Stole a handful of bases and put up a 904 OPS. He was just uh, magic with the bat last year. And he was named a Midwest League All-Star also in in that A-class um, with Cedar Rapids Colonels. So that's the Minnesota Twins organization. Um, so again, the, only, the guys in starting their pro ball once again, we'll run through them one more time. Brett Cecil is with the St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Kalark, who's now with the Braves organization. Jimmy Reed, who's also in the Cardinals organization. Jose Quas with the Brewers. Jake Stinnett with the Cubs. Lamont Wade with the Twins. Jake Drossner with the Brewers. Brandon Lau, who we'll talk to in a little bit. He's with the Tampa Bay Rays. Zach Morris with the Phillies. Kevin Martyr with the Astros. Kevin Mooney with the Nationals. Mike Shawarn, who we'll talk to in just a second. He's with the Boston Red Sox, and he's coming off his first professional stint where he struck out 25 guys in 17 in the third innings. And then Alex Robinson, who's with the Twins organization, and Charlie White, who just signed with the Chicago White Sox. So that's a good Pro Terps update as they all start spring training. And now I guess a good transition to talk to Mike Jawarn, a guy who holds pretty much every record uh, pitching in Maryland-wise, the only guy with 300 innings pitched, 30 wins, and 300 strikeouts. So here's our conversation with Mike. And Mike, it's, it's good to hear from you. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's great to be back on. Great to be back on. I don't know if we've actually spoken too much since you since you got drafted last June. Yeah, um, a lot of lots happened since then, but um, it's all good stuff. Um, you know, I had a great time at uh, at Maryland, um, and uh, you know, I'd like to thank the fans first first most because they uh, they you know helped us get to where we were and you know helped me have a great time there. So. So I guess before we get to what's going on down at spring training right now, what was it like your first professional summer? I know you only pitched a handful of innings and made a handful of starts with uh, 
with the Lowell Red with the Lowell Spinners. But what was it like? Um, it was awesome. It was it was great to kind of get my feet wet uh, the first year and, and and throw a few innings there um, and and really see what pro ball is like. Um, you know, and it was also pretty cool. They had uh, since we were so close to Boston, some of the guys you know um, maybe need extra at bats or rehabbing or whatever they would send them to Lowell so um you know we got uh you know pretty good dose of some big leaguers going through uh you know every other day or whatever um so it's pretty cool to kind of talk to them and you know just get a feel for the game at the next level and I know you were playing with a bunch of you know like you college juniors and seniors that had been drafted in June and now kind of coming onto this one team so what was it like you know coming together with all of them um, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, it was, it was like, I, I didn't really leave Maryland. Um, you know, all those guys coming from their respective programs. Um, you know, they all had the kind of college mentality. So it was a really good transition. Um, you know, we kind of all got each other. We knew where we, you know, each other came from and, and the background, so to speak, um, you know, in college baseball. And it, it was pretty cool. Just, you know, kind of, it's the same game and, and you're, you know, with new faces. Um, but, you know, kind of having those guys from the college level uh, made the transition pretty easy. Now, so you struck out 25 guys in a little over 17 innings. So kind of much of the same from your collegiate career. But what was it like to get that first punch out? Uh, it was pretty cool. Um, we were in, we were up in New York uh, playing the Yankees. So, um, you know, the, it's a little less heated rivalry uh you know in the minor leagues but um nevertheless it's still pretty cool um you know they have a great stadium you can see new york city um in, in the distance so it was a really cool atmosphere um to kind of have my first start in and uh to get that first punch out was uh was pretty cool you know kind of settled some you know settled some nerves or whatever or settled some excitement too um you know and 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 just kind of build on from there I'm guessing you have the baseball. I do, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a good one to keep. What was the biggest? Yeah, what was sure. the biggest surprise for you? You know, going from college to to professional. Um, biggest surprise probably was just you know the the everyday routine. Um, you know, it, probably the downtime. You know, in college you have class. You, you know, there's always something to be something you could be doing, you know, you could be studying, you could be, um, you know, working on something, you have your workouts, you have practice, you have a game or whatever. Oh, don't um, I know it. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. So, and then you go to the pro level and, um, you know, you have your games, you have your workouts and, and after everything's done, you know, you have downtime. Um, and there's not really much you could be doing or you feel guilty not doing. Um, but with that, you know, you kind of use that downtime to, become a better baseball player you know maybe you watch video maybe you do you know some more treatment or whatever um to kind of get you ready so you know it it, it takes it takes turn um here and there you know without class you know you kind of use that time to you know sharpen your skills or whatever um like i said watching video or or whatnot so before we get to, to spring training, I'm not sure if you heard, but I'll be in Brooklyn this summer with the Cyclones doing some broadcasting for them. So I'll be in the New York Penn League. Okay. What should I? What yeah, should yeah. I, What should I expect, kind of, from around the league? What are the good food places to eat at, whether they're in Lowell or in Hudson Valley? You know, where yeah. where should I go? 
Uh, well, definitely there's a uh, place in by the Cyclones Field, um, literally kind of across the street, have great pastrami sandwiches. Um, it was kind of a favorite spot. We, we wound up going there twice. Um, and you know, I frequent that deli. Um, I forget <laughs> the name of the deli to be specific, but you know, it's right across the street. You can't really miss it. Yeah, I mean, you can't um, really but, go wrong yeah. with pastrami in Brooklyn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that was really good. Um, and then also, um, oh, sorry, that, that deli was in Staten Island in Brooklyn. You have Nathan's hot dogs. Um, you know, the original one. So that one's, you know, that's pretty cool. You oh, have Coney Island right in, yeah, yeah it's, you a, it's, it's right Island. down, right down the street from the ballpark, actually. Yeah, it's actually right next to it. So it's a lot closer than you think. I mean, um, and, and a little heads up, you'll be, you'll be calling games or, you know, you'll be doing your work and in the middle of a game on a Friday night at, you know, 10 o'clock game doesn't stop. You'll see fireworks going off in uh, center field from Coney Island. So um, it's a really cool atmosphere there. Um, and, and you're, you're going to really enjoy it up there. So I wish you the best of luck, but you're, you're going to really enjoy it. Thanks, man. What about, what about when I get up to Lowell? Yeah, Lowell, um, there's a, uh, there's a few, few places that you, you can go to eat. Um, there's a Mexican place in the downtown. Um, I kind of forget the name of that one too, but <laughs> it's really good. Um, and there's the beer works, which is kind of like a Massachusetts, um, thing up there it's, which is really good they have good appetizers they have, you know it's, it's kind of a uh, bar foodie-ish but um you know you're going to get you're going to get a quality meal meal there um and that mexican restaurant um i'll try and remember the name but yeah those, those two are were my two favorites so all right I'll, I'll have to check it out so so turning turning yeah. the page now to kind of spring training you've been there for about a week this is your first spring training so i guess when you got down there what was the first thing you did, first person you saw? What kind of hit you when you arrived? Yeah, so um, when I got down here, you know, we didn't – I kind of had a later flight in the day. Um, so the first thing I did was um, meet up with some of the guys that we kind of all came in with um, in Lowell, um, including my roommate, Sean Anderson, he's from University of Florida. So we kind of got together. We all went – had um, – had dinner together, you know, kind of see how everyone's off season was. And then the next morning we had our first workout. Um, and you know, the, the big, the big league club had a workout before us. We had the late workout. Um, so, you, you know, you walk in to JetBlue park, you walk, you know, past the training, training room and, and weight room. And I mean, you can see the who's who's of the Boston Red Sox. So it was pretty cool. I mean, you saw a price, you saw a sale, start Porcelli, you saw Pedroia, Mookie Betts. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. So it's just kind of like, whoa, you know, like these are the guys that for years, you know, you've been looking up to or, you know, most recently looking up to, you know, watching these stars of the game. And, you know, now now all of a sudden they're lifting in the same weight room and using the same field. So um, it, was, it was pretty cool. Have you gotten a chance to talk to any of them or, you know, pick their brain, maybe a guy like Porcello? You know, um, not yet. I wish I, you know, if, if the timing allows it, I, I would love to. Um, but right now, it's their their games are later in the days, and we're having early workouts, so you kind of miss um, you miss the opportunity of having downtime at the same time to kind of really speak to them. But um, you know, those those would be some great guys to get to know and and, and really talk to. 
So yeah, I guess I guess at least for me, and I, I'm sure anyone else who's listening doesn't really understand how spring training might work from a player standpoint. So what's like a normal day for you? Yeah, so um, a normal day right now is we'll get up pretty early, get to the field by you know seven. Um, you know, we eat breakfast, whatever, roll out, stretch, um, and get ready to go out um, to our field. And, you know, we'll go out, stretch, um, throw, warm up, do some PFP work, um, work on the mental side of the game, work on, you know, holding runners, doing all the little things um, that, that pitchers do and work on that stuff. And then, you know, if we have a pen, we'll throw a pen. If not, we condition and um, shag BP go in if we have to lift we lift um if not you know you eat, eat lunch and then and then you're good to go and, and right now and that's because we don't have uh games yet um you know we're done by you know 11 30 12 um but it's a it's a it, it's pretty cool you know the <laughs> i remember the first day i got out there to throw and um I was very appreciative of the weather. You know, I was just like, wow, this is beautiful weather. You know, usually, well, not this year I've heard, but usually at this time of the year, you know, you're, you're looking at 32, 33 degree weather. Um, and you know, down here it's 78, 80 degrees every day. Um, you know, you get, you're working up a nice sweat. So it's, it, I was very, uh, I was, I'm very happy with the weather so far. So. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. We were actually we were down there in Clearwater to open the season, uh, over at the Phillies yeah. complex. They have a really nice ballpark. I'm sure you'll get over there, uh, maybe at some point during spring training. But it's, I mean, it's it's definitely yeah. not bad down there from a weather standpoint. No. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so with all the guys that are in, you know, different organizations, you know, Maryland alums, are you going to get a chance to see them or face them throughout this spring? Yeah, um, it, funny you should say that. I, I believe Lau will face. I'll face Lau, um, and Lamont and A Rob. Um, I'll be able to see them. Their their spring training complex is literally right around the corner from ours. Um, so I'll, I'm sure I'll be seeing those guys a lot. Um, and and I believe Blake Schmidt's going to be down here at some point. So um, it'll be cool to see all those you know all those friendly faces, and um, it'll be cool to go up against them as well. Oh, well, we're talking to Brandon Lau next, so we'll have to pick his brain to see how he plans to approach you. Yeah, yeah. It'll be uh, – I, I hope to. I hope that I face him. Um, you know, he, he was such a great hitter for us, as, you know, as a Terp. Um, you know, and hopefully I, uh, I watched him enough to kind of pick apart his swing. So maybe I can get one over on him. But, uh, you know, <laughs> if not, you know, tip your cap and, and, and I'll get him next time. So – Oh, we'll have to we'll have to stay tuned for the result of of that battle, but you were in, yeah for sure you were in Lowell last summer, but this this coming spring, where do you think you'll be? Um, you know, I'm not really sure yet. Um, the progression wise would be um, low A, um, but you know they haven't told us anything yet. So right now I'm just kind of working on having a successful spring training. You know, keep working and um, trying to fine tune some things here and there, um, and then you know wherever they deem necessary to put me, um, you know I'll go go there and and I'll perform. So, so those those eight teams, that's either Greenville or Salem, right? Yeah, correct. Um, low A would be Greenville, and uh, High A would be Salem. 
So throughout the week that you've been there, what's been kind of the the coolest thing that you've done or the weirdest experience that you've had? Because I know there are some there are some funky things that happen in spring training. Yeah, um, let's see. Coolest thing probably for me was um, we got a chance, we had the opportunity to watch Sale, Kimbrel, um, and Erod um, throw live BP. So we had a real kind of intimate setting where we could really watch those guys, you know, rather than watching them on TV or, or um, you know, sitting in the stands. We were pretty close to the action, um, you know, from the point where they went out to stretch to throw to when they actually got on the mound to throw against the live hitters. So um, that was really cool. I mean, just being able to really see up close what these guys, you know, their stuff, um, their mentality, how they approach the, you know, their hitters, their game um, was really, really special. Well, Mike, uh, I know you'll be down there for at least a couple more weeks before you start the, the spring season. So definitely enjoy the good yeah. weather down there. And it's always good to catch up with you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for having me on. It was, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a blast to kind of, you know, talk to you guys again. I'm sure you're following on closely as we're following along with you. For sure, for sure. And uh, best wishes go to the Terps. As uh, you know, if we're, you know, hopefully uh, they'll, they'll they'll get back on track and um, you know they'll they'll start a long winning streak soon. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of confidence in their staff and, and and the players they got, so they'll be all right. And you know, I, I have I have a lot of confidence in them. So, all right, Mike, have a have a good one, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road. Sounds good, Jake. Thanks again. Time to welcome in former Maryland second baseman Brandon Lau. And, well, we talked to Mike Schwarn earlier, and, Brandon, you guys playing on that 2015 Super Regional team together and the 2014 Super Regional team together. So it's nice to have you both on the podcast at the same time. Uh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. So I, I want to start with, I guess, your season last year, your, full, your first full professional season. I mean, what did you think? Uh, it's definitely a grind. You know, it's late nights and – long bus rides, but it was a lot of fun. What was maybe the the coolest or wackiest experience that you had? Ah, oh, man. I think getting to see all the places, you know, it was a lot of a lot of fun seeing, you know, we were went to so many different states and being from the East Coast, I really didn't see many of those Midwest states. It was a lot of fun to you know, see everything. I know 107 games. I mean, that can be that can be a grind. You were with the Bowling Green Hot Rods, and what's what's Bowling Green like? The only thing I know about it is that that's where uh, Bowling Green University is. Uh, actually, we were right off of Western Kentucky's campus, so I mean, it was a nice college town and had a bunch of restaurants. It was great, actually. That's that's good to hear. So you hit over 300 at the college level, and then. First season in, in professional, 248. What's the biggest adjustment that you had to make? It's just getting getting to the pace of the game. I mean, everyone's everyone's better than they were at the college level. You know, it's, you know, everyone's a professional athlete. Everybody's good, and there's not, not as many balls find holes and better defenders, better plays, and, you know, it's took a little bit to get used to. Now, I know at some point during the summer, you got a f chance to face Jake Drosner, another former Maryland pitcher, and you got a single off him. What was it like to face your former teammate? 
it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I remember walking up to the plate and stepping in the box and looking up and trying to hold back a smile because <laughs> I, I lived with the guy for three years. So, so you probably know yeah, we, a little bit better than most people. Yeah, I mean, that whole room we just talk crap, talk smack to each other. You know, I'll, I'll definitely get a hit off you if I ever face you. And you know, it was fun to actually have that. You know, put to the test. Well, when we spoke to Mike, he mentioned that his spring training complex and your complex with the Tampa Bay Rays are right around the corner. So you guys are going to eventually face each other maybe in the next week or so. Yeah, there's a very good chance that in the next month or so that I'll face Mike. So that'll be – I'm hoping for a fastball down the middle, but <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure that's going to happen. I didn't, I didn't go into – into Mike's approach against you, but what might your approach against him be? I mean, you've seen him up close and personal for for the better part of the last two years. And really, there's not much to sit on with Mike. I mean, he throws every pitch he's got really well, and watch some of his bullpens this all season. He's gotten much better, and it's going to be. I'm hoping to hunt that mistake. <laughs> yeah, he said he was hoping to strike you out. Oh man! Now that I hear that, I have to. I'm just I'm just fueling the fires here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so what's it like down there in Dunedin? You know, the the Maryland team actually, when we were down in Clearwater last weekend, they went over to practice at the at the Rays complex. So I guess they were in the same place as you are now, right? Yeah, uh, Clearwater's like I want to say two hours north of us. So so it's not for... it's not too far. No, it's not. It's not terrible. So what's what's it like down there? I mean, are you are you brushing shoulders with with the major leaguers? You getting to pick their brains at all? Um, usually our major league guys get out on the field before our minor league team does. So, I mean, if you're lucky enough and you're the minor league guy that gets to fill into a major league game, you can ask. But usually they're often on their bus or home by the time we get out there. Now you're you're but you're not the only Maryland alum that's in the Rays organization. Adam Kalarik's there also. Have you gotten the chance to catch up with him or face him? Yeah, either? actually, I, I met him last year during spring training and had no clue that he even went to Maryland. And he kind of <laughs> introduced himself, and I was like, "This is this is crazy." I mean, it was really good to meet him. He's a great guy too. Uh, I guess last year Brett Cecil was well. Actually, he's he was with the Blue Jays, so I'm just getting things a little bit confused. That's just AL East uh, overall. So so disregard that. But I guess, uh, but I guess with with Adam and you know having a guy like him, did he give you maybe any advice for your first spring training? Um, not that I can remember. I know that you know spring training is kind of a bunch of people all trying to do something at the same time, and it gets kind of hectic, and just kind of got to focus up on what you're doing and keep keep moving forward. But now, now kind of in your second spring training, you know, you're not a spring training rookie anymore, so you won't make any of those, you know, rookie mistakes. Like, I mean, what would those, what would those be? I mean, it's just, you know, like going to the wrong field and not reading the board. That's that's one thing that you really had to make sure that you knew because the coaches there aren't gonna know exactly what field you're supposed to be on. They kind of have everything broken up and put it on the board before practice, and if you don't know where you're going, it gets a little, a little hectic trying to find somebody that has a sheet. 
So with guys that were drafted, you know, the same year as you or, you know, the couple that were drafted the year after you, you know, have they have they reached out to you and been like, you know, hey, Brandon, you know, what's spring training like? What should I expect? I've, um, yeah, a couple. You know, I've had a uh, – living with a couple guys right now that this is their first spring training and they kind of, you know, ask kind of what, like what it's about and how it all goes and hopefully I give them the right kind of stuff and they're well-prepared. Now, we mentioned Adam Kalarik, but the two of you, in fact, are not the only Maryland alums that are in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. Uh, and even, in fact, I guess you consider maybe Maryland baseball alums. I don't know if you know this, but John Vitas, um, the founder of MBN, is now with the Port Charlotte Stonecrabs. I do. I uh, congratulate him when I heard him. Or he like posted about it on Facebook, and he said that he was going to be down with the uh, with the Stone Crabs, and I was pretty excited, seeing as you know, hopefully that's where I start out this year, and kind of the the good graces he kind of brought the Pelicans in Myrtle <laughs> Beach. So I told him he uh, better not have used up all of his wins. Yeah, I mean it is pretty incredible. I mean when John was here in 2015, you guys went to the Super Regional. And then last year, the Pelicans won their title when Stinnett was yeah. on. Jake Stinnett was on that team, so he was with a former Terp there also. And now he's going to the Stone Crab, so we maybe bring the mojo, I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. You know, it'd be great to have another have a championship. I don't want to inflate his ego too much, though. <laughs> <laughs> but is is that is that where you think you're going to end up with with Port Charlotte? Uh, it's just my guess. You know, you don't you never know until we break camp. Is there is there any kind of indication that guys give you, or is there any kind of natural progression? I mean, I know the natural progression is, you know, you go from Bowling Green to Port Charlotte, and then, you know, up and up Montgomery Biscuits, and then you finally get to, you know, Tampa Bay, but that doesn't all necessarily happen year in and year out, no? No, I mean, usually it's all kind of kept to themselves. You know, you don't really know where you're going to be until maybe like the last week of spring training. You kind of get a better idea, and it's just to keep, I guess, keep you working hard and trying to keep you going up. Now, turning turning our attention, I guess, to the current Maryland team, uh, you came out to a couple practices, had a chance to say hello. It was good to see you there. And, uh, well, I know that when Nick Dunn came in, you know, you kind of saw him as a mini you, and I think a lot of people do, the kind of same kind of player, um, second base, hitting from the left side. Have, have you gotten a chance to watch the team this year, and I guess what are your thoughts on, on how they've done so far? Yeah, I mean, I watched uh, a few practices, and, you know, honestly, I thought they looked really good. And you know, once they settle in, they're going to be really good. I mean, they just got to work through a little patch they're going through right now. I mean, face LSU is a really good team, and, you know, you always got to bring your A game. Now, I kind of know the story a little bit about you and, and Nick Dunn and what your thoughts are on him but for the rest of the people listening when he was first kind of brought up as a potential guy to come to Maryland uh, if I remember correctly you you looked at his hitting video and thought you were watching yourself yeah um, uh, Vaughn came up to me and showed me a video I don't know if we were in the cage hitting or you know getting ready to stretch and he came up to me and said and I recognize the field. It was at 
UVA, I'm pretty sure. And, and I played a few tournaments there when I was in high school. And I was like, Coach, why are you, are you showing me a video of me? <laughs> and, you know, he he knew that I was going to say that and just started laughing and saying, no, that's this recruit that we're looking at and somebody that we really want. I was just like, that's so like crazy. I couldn't get it out of my head that this kid like done swing looked exactly like mine when it was, it was hard to process. Have you, have you gotten a, I mean, I'm sure you've gotten a chance to talk to him a little bit and, you know, and both of you guys, you know, I don't think that conversation maybe was very long. I know you're both pretty quiet. <laughs> No, definitely. I mean, I had him on his official visit. Actually, I was his uh, guy was a player showing him around, and it was weird to see like him. He was the exact like it was almost like looking in a mirror. <laughs> not not looks wise, but he was quiet, and I was super quiet, and it, it was definitely weird. Now I go back, and he's definitely opened up a lot, and. All, none of the Maryland players kind of hold back saying that he's better than I am. Oh, they really? Give me a little, like, they like to give me crap about it. Oh, like like who? I mean, name them. Like, they all like <laughs> to say, like, cause we like to give each other a hard time, especially the guys that were there when I was there. And it's just all fun and games. Yeah, I mean, it fuels the competitive juices in everybody, doesn't it? Exactly. Well, I know you've got a, a lot of work to do down there uh, in Florida, and I'm very appreciative of you taking the time out of your day to come join us on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. And, Brandon, you know, I'm sure we'll catch up a little bit down the road and we'll stay tuned with your season as I'm sure you're going to stay tuned with the Maryland season. So, you know, you can always tune in and, and, you know, drop a little message in our Mixler chat. You're always welcome to do so. All right. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with those two former Terps, two guys that were on the 2014 and 2015 Super Regional teams. Tons of success from those guys and now continuing on with the Boston Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays organizations, respectively. So now let's turn our attention to the week at hand and the weekend that's coming up for Maryland as the Terps look to get a few wins and get back to 500, 1-5 to start the season. Taking on a JMU team on Wednesday in the home opener. Home opener. That one starts at 4 o'clock. And we'll be live at 3.30 with Terps pregame. But this is a JMU team, Dylan, that's 6-1 and one to start the season and an offense that has been red hot. They knocked off Coastal Carolina, the defending national champions, 11-3 to two weeks ago and then beat you know UNC Asheville 25-9 to last Sunday. They've already hit 13 home runs in seven games. Right, and so we, we saw Maryland already. They know that they can't take these smaller teams lightly. They need to be up and ready for this game, and something tells me that they will be. It'll be the first game back at Bob Turtle Smith Stadium, uh, and it'll be back in the friendly confines, and the pitch. this will be a nice test for the pitching staff who kind of got knocked around against LSU, and they'll need to really step up against this powerful James Madison team. Now, it remains to be seen who's going to be starting for either team, and I guess we can make con- some conjecture here. If I had to guess it would be Hunter Parsons from Maryland as he hasn't started any of the games so far but he certainly emerged as a guy who was a starter last year in the midweek um, so I'd expect him to get the ball he didn't pitch that much this week and made one appearance on Saturday and didn't throw that many pitches either against uh, LSU on Saturday he came on in relief of Cameron Ank and tossed 38 pitches in two and two-thirds innings so I'd imagine he's going to get the ball for the Terps but before we go into the rest of Jamie in the weekend I want to take a look back for a second at the wackiest game that I have ever seen, been a part of, 
anything. This is this is before you were here, Dylan. Obviously, right. but but last year Maryland traveled to James Madison to Harrisonburg, a game that was supposed to start at six o'clock, ended up starting at six thirty because of a weather delay. The final was nineteen to twelve in ten innings. So this went to extra innings, which means somebody scored seven runs in extra innings. That would be Maryland, who scored seven runs in the top of the 10th inning to win 19-12. to But the wacky part of this game was that there were a combined 12 runs scored in the first two innings. It was tied at six after two innings. There was another lightning delay during the sixth inning when Maryland put up five runs to take the lead. They thought it was going to be called. The game was going to be called. It eventually wasn't. And while during the rain delay, the Terps had a little bit of a dance party on the bus. It was a lot of fun. Came back out to finish that sixth inning and continued to put up runs. Ended up putting up five. Then Jamu tied it in the bottom of the ninth in, in wacky fashion because everything was slick and there was a ball bouncing around everywhere. And then seven runs in the top of the tenth. The game took six and a half hours. Now that's including a two-hour delay. So the official time of the game was four hours and 28 minutes. But overall, it was a six-hour and 31-minute broadcast from my perspective, and it was wild, to say the least. Now, I don't think we're going to get that necessarily on Wednesday, but something to keep in mind. You know, it's, it's going to be March. It's Maryland. We have no idea what the weather's going to be. I would say prepare for a six-and-a-half-hour game, and we'll, see, we'll go from there. <laughs> in any case, it uh, should be exciting to see the Terps out at Bob Turtlesmith Stadium. Again, that's the home opener on Wednesday starting at 4 o'clock. That's first pitch. And we'll be live on MBN at 3.30 with Terps pregame. So now let's look at the weekend. The Terps traveling down to Cary, North Carolina to play in the USA Baseball Irish Classic. And there's actually seven teams that are going to be down there, along with Maryland and Notre Dame. NC State will be there, Rhode Island, Dayton, UMass Lowell, William & Mary, and Monmouth. The Terps will play Notre Dame on Friday, NC State on Saturday, and Dayton on Sunday. So let's take a look at this series. You look at a team like Notre Dame on Friday, this is a team that struggled. They have the same record as Maryland, 1-6, but a bunch of guys on this roster that can really do some damage, especially from the pitching mound like Peter Solomon. That's right. Peter Solomon, he's he's their ace. Uh, he came out and he, he strolled a little bit in his first start, and he'll be looking for a bounce back this week against Maryland. Um, he was an all-star in uh, Cape Cod League last summer, and he'll be ready to go, I'm sure. He's, he's back. Yeah, there were a number of guys on this Notre Dame pitching staff that were up in the Cape Cod League. Peter Solomon, one of them, he had a .54 ERA for the Harwich Mariners, struck out 28 in 33 innings, made four starts also, and was also part of a combined no-hitter against the Chatham Anglers late in the summer. But he was joined on that staff by Brad Bass, who's 6'6", 250 pounds. He had a 1.56 ERA this summer. So both those guys are really impressive. And then the other guy on the Notre Dame staff who was up in the Cape this summer, Brandon Belak was actually the closer for the Orleans Firebirds. And, you know, he was also impressive. 23 in a third inning, struck out 29, and had a 1.54 ERA. All three of those guys were named Cape Cod Baseball League All-Stars. That's right. They were on a stacked team this summer in the Cape Cod League, and they'll be ready to come back to Maryland and uh, do some damage against the Terrapins. And that's something Maryland's really going to – we talked earlier. Their offense has been very good this year, and they'll have to get up and be ready for these games this weekend. I uh, wrote this game against Notre Dame this weekend. Now, it remains to be seen who's going to be starting for Notre Dame, but Brandon Belak started on the last Friday for the Fighting Irish. Peter Solomon started on the last Saturday for Notre Dame. So I'd expect it to be one of those two guys. In any case, it'll be a tough matchup for the Terps, especially against Solomon, a guy who's being touted as one of the top 50 draft picks uh, coming this June. And, well, he's a Maryland native too, so he knows a lot of the guys on the Maryland team. That could be some fun. Now NC State, the number six team in the country, and, 
I mean, they're they're proving why. The record just four and two. They haven't swept any of their series, but they've won both of them. They hosted. No, they went to Hawaii to start the season. That's that was probably a fun trip. And then they hosted Austin P. Uh, and took the first two games of that series before losing on Sunday. The uh, the Wolfpack has two midweek games this week. They're playing Charlotte on Wednesday and uh, UNC Greensboro on Tuesday before they start that carry uh, series against Rhode Island on Friday, and then playing Maryland on Saturday. But this is an NC State team, also guys that were successful on the Cape this summer. And you know, one that jumps out to me is Joe Dunand, who already has two home runs this season, even though he's batting just 227. He was an all-star for the Harwich Mariners as well. Right, and as we saw, NC State, thats uh, they're the number six team in the country, as you already said, and so it's the another big early season test for Maryland. Uh, Dunand, he hit 326 over the summer in the, in the Cape Cod League, and so this, this is really someone that Maryland's pitching staff is going to have to deal with. Uh, had uh, 44 hits, doub- uh, eight doubles, and five home runs, so he's a powerful guy right in the middle of that lineup, and uh, I'm sure he'll be ready to go back in Maryland. He's also the nephew of Alex Rodriguez. So we'll talk about that a little bit next weekend as well. Now, we're throwing all these summer stats out at you, and I think it's important that they come with a caveat that summer stats, not necessarily an indication of future performance. You know, as we've seen so far with Maryland, a guy like Cameron Anko at a .39 ERA over the summer has really struggled out of the bullpen so far. Kevin Smith, who batted over 300 on the Cape, has also struggled at the plate. And, I mean, they're not the only ones that have put up gaudy summer numbers that you know started to struggle a little bit out of the gates of the season. That's not to say that they're not going to turn things on and eventually hit like they did over the summer or in the preseason or in the spring. Just, you know, a bit of a caveat to say that, hey, even though these guys were successful over the summer, that doesn't mean they're these godlike baseball players come spring. Right, and that that's something that... Um a lot of these guys, they did have success over the summer, and uh, they're really going to be looking to get going early in the season if they've struggled uh, in the first few games, and that's something that they'll really be looking to get get going this weekend. Now, the Terps are going to play NC State on Saturday, and we can make kind of some educated guesses on who they might face pitching-wise. It, it looks like it might be Tommy DeJunis, who's pitched on the weekends for them along with Sean Adler. DeJunis, another guy who was on the Cape, but he didn't fare as well for the Harwich Mariners. He's uh, actually a two-way guy, but on the mound for Harwich, he had an ERA that was a little bit over four in 15 and a third innings. All of his appearance came out of the bullpen. But he's a guy that Maryland could face, the other guy being Sean Adler, who's really <laughs> performed well. He's 2-0 and with a .87 ERA so far. He's struck out 11 in 10 and a third innings. So that'll be a tough matchup for Maryland going up against a number six team in the country. Of course, Maryland just took on the number five team in the country, and while they were swept, didn't look totally out of their element. So I think a big win against NC State, helped along by a win against Notre Dame, could really propel the Terps this weekend. Right, and and that that's a really important point, is that uh, against LSU, yes, Maryland lost, and uh, they, they struggled a little bit, but they were not outclassed. And I think Maryland can play with these teams. That's the word I was looking for, yeah, out, and, outclassed. Right, and, and they can definitely play with these teams. They're in the same league, they are just as talented, and they will be ready to go against NC State, I have no doubt. I mean, I mean in the sense that, they weren't outclassed, not right. that they were outclassed. Right. It was just that that was the word that I was looking for. So Sunday, after playing Notre Dame and NC State, the Terps are going to take on the Dayton Flyers, who are 2-4 and four to start the season. They lost their opening series to Furman, then lost two games in the midweek, one to UNC Asheville and then one to USC Upstate. They lost 21-20. to 20. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that kind of a score in a baseball game, maybe a football game. But baseball, I'm not sure. But 
I mean, the Flyers put up 11 runs in the fifth inning, and then the USC Upstate Spartans came back to put up eight in the bottom of the inning. I mean, talk about a wacky baseball game. Right, and uh, these both teams had 19 hits in this game. And Dayton, again, this is another team. Yeah, they're they're two and four right now, but this is an offense that is going to give Maryland's pitchers some challenges. They're going to have to be ready to go against a smaller school. So that's a look at the USA Baseball Irish Classic down in Cary, North Carolina. It's taking place at the USA Baseball Complex, which is where Mike Schwarren played two summers ago when he was on the collegiate national team. And while well, the Terps paced a couple guys that were on the collegiate national team down in LSU this weekend, um, one of them being Alex Lang, who pitched on Friday night. But Maryland heading down to North Carolina this weekend. But first, JMU on Wednesday. That'll get started at 4 o'clock is first pitch, and MBN will get started at 3.30 for Terps pregame. So that'll do it for this edition of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Special thanks to Mike Schwarn and Brandon Lau for sharing their time with us and giving us a little bit of insight into spring training. Always fun to hear the little quirks and experience that they have. And, of course, we'll let you know what happens when those two face each other in a couple weeks because we've been told that's going to happen. Also, special thanks to Dylan Sin for co-hosting this edition, the 26th edition of the MBN podcast. Um, you Be sure to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash mdbaseballnet. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mdbaseballnet. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you can subscribe at iTunes. Uh, you can search us in the iTunes store, I should say, at Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. Uh, be sure to do that because you get it a little bit earlier than anyone else. Shh, don't tell anybody. But that'll do it for us here on the MBN Podcast. Uh, be sure to tune in next week for more guests, analysis, and more. So until next time, we'll see you on Wednesday. Maryland taking on JMU in the home opener at 4 o'clock. We'll get started on 3.30. So long, everybody.